Hello and welcome to Legendary Africa, the podcast where a disembodied voice speaks about African myths, legends, and folklore straight into your ear canal. It's been pretty nice here for me and Squirt. Squirt is the Matthew inhaled, in case you don't remember him. We've kind of just been taking it easy, riding on your lungs this past week. Oh, I'm sure the dangers will return. The Carcharodontosaurus can't be too far behind us. But for now, we're just going to sit back, relax, and watch you be the amazing human you are. Well done, you. that I do not like spiders. I don't have a phobia, and I don't hate them. I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to smash them or anything. But I would prefer us to avoid each other the best we can. But suffice to say, I greatly, greatly dislike spiders. All kinds of them. And no, don't tell me that some are really cute, not poisonous. I still don't want to be friends. So with this in mind, my dearest mama decided to tell me about the spider called the Goliath Bird Eater. Found in South America, it's the largest spider in the world, by mass, weighing up to 175 grams, its body length reaching up to 13 centimeters, and legs span as long as 30 centimeters. I mean, that's a frickin' ruler length, people. Not to mention, their fangs are large enough to break the skin of a human. But the worst part was when Mum told me about how they eat their prey. So after the Goliath bird eater kills its prey, it drags it into its burrow, where it proceeds to liquefy the insides of its prey, before sucking it dry like some kind of spider vampire. I could not have been more grossed out. I ain't kidding. I actually started sweating. The Goliath bud eater's prey consists of rodents, frogs, toads, lizards, snakes, and that one guy down the road you don't like. <laughs> Just kidding. So this spider is great if you have a rodent problem. And you know, we used to have a rat problem a few years back. But now, I know what to do. Get a Goliath bud eater, name him David, and set him loose in the ceiling. Then, scatter salt around the house, embed sage in the walls, pray in Latin, burn down the house, and move into a spider-free place because, clearly, David is devil spawn. And now for the news, hot off the pages of allthatsinteresting.com. Woman returns artifacts stolen from Pompeii, claiming the cursed items gave her cancer. So we all know Pompeii as that ancient place where the volcano went boom and thousands of people died, right? What you maybe didn't know is that you shouldn't steal artifacts from Pompeii, because stealing is bad and karma's a bitch and suddenly you have cancer. This particular woman had stolen artifacts more than 15 years ago, and recently returned them claiming that she had stolen the artifacts because they were unique bits of history, but has now returned them because the objects contained what she called so much negative energy, due to their connection with such a great disaster. She said that she believed the artifacts led to her suffering from two bouts of cancer and financial trouble. Is there any truth to the curse of Pompeii? Who knows? But maybe leave the artifacts where they are, just in case. Man caught on camera breaking into Australian museum to take selfies with dinosaurs. Okay, firstly... I too would like to take selfies with dinosaurs, just saying. A 25-year-old man broke into the Australian Museum in Sydney and was caught on camera heading to the dinosaur exhibit where he proceeded to take selfies with dinosaurs, including posing with his head in the jaws of a T-Rex. He broke into the museum around 1am and spent 40 minutes strolling around, wearing a staffer's cowboy hat which he stole from a coat rack. 
After police published camera footage of him to the public in order to apprehend him, the man turned himself in and accepted his punishment, which was to surrender his passport and to follow a police-mandated curfew. Now, as much as I disapprove of breaking and entering, I too understand the supreme and overwhelming urge to mingle with the dinosaurs. Louisiana pastor caught filming himself in a demonic threesome with two dominatrices. You know what? I'm just going to leave this here. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Today's story originates with the Senna people. The Senna people originate from the northwestern region of Mozambique in Tete province, Manica province, Sofala province, and Zambezia province, as well as Malawi and Zimbabwe. With a population of approximately 2 million, the Sena people's language is called Shisena, which itself consists of many different dialects. Now, after the Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama arrived near Mozambique during his search for India, the Sena people and other ethnic groups began to be influenced by colonial culture. Shortly afterwards, another Portuguese explorer arrived in Sofala, which was a trading town, and sent word back to the Portuguese king to say that there was gold in Africa. The king ordered groups of Portuguese to settle in the area, and soon it was confirmed that gold fields lay in the middle Zambezi Valley. The Portuguese then built farms and used the indigenous people of the area, including the Sena people, as labor. In 1531, Chente Pagado founded a fair in a Muslim village along the Zambezi River, which then grew to become a major trading post, missionary center, colonial-era garrison, and market town. Pagado called this place Sena, and this is where the Sena people take their name. It's actually really very sad that we don't know what the Sena people's original name for themselves were. Now, during the late 18th century, over 50,000 slaves were exported from Mozambique to Brazil, the Spanish America, and the French colonies. And during the 19th century, descendants of the first Portuguese colonialists shifted their trade from agriculture to slavery. Starting first by selling captured humans as slaves, they soon began selling the very people who worked on their farms. After Britain withdrew from the slave trade, Brazil abolished slave imports in 1831, and most major slave markets of the world soon abolished slavery. The lives of the Seno people stabilized, although they were forevermore changed by the effects of years of abuse. And despite the end of slavery, colonization was still very much in effect, and British and Portuguese rulership was still strongly present. The Senna people and other ethnic groups in Mozambique strongly resisted Portuguese colonization, leading to many conflicts and a few wars. Although the indigenous people fought to overcome colonial rule, the lack of cohesion between the Senna, the Tonga, and the Tawara people hindered their attempts. The strict land laws which the Portuguese enforced also prevented the indigenous people from overcoming Portuguese rule. After the scramble for Africa, the indigenous people began violently rebelling against the Portuguese. The colonialists retaliated with taxes, forced conscriptions, military violence, and the forced transfers of the local people into South African mines and South Rhodesian plantations between 1900 and about 1960. Mozambique gained independence in 1975, and the Sena people participated in the struggle for independence. It's always simultaneously so fascinating and heartbreaking to dive into the history of African countries and its various peoples. There's so much pain and anger, I think, in the past of many African countries. 
And now it's time for my retelling of the story of Makoma, the boy who became a god. Many years ago, in the town called Senna, which was sprawled along the Zambezi River, a child was born. He was unusual for a child. Unlike a normal babe, he came out tall and strong. He carried a big sack on his back and a large iron hammer in his one hand. He also had a deep, strong voice and could speak, but often preferred to stay silent. Instead of naming him like all the other mothers did their children, the child's mother asked her own son for his name. Instead of replying, he told his mother to gather all the leaders to the river's bank. After this was done, he took them to a deep pool where dozens of fierce crocodiles lay. Turning towards the men, this man-boy asked that whoever was brave enough to jump into the pool should come forward and leap into the waters. But no one came forward. The child then turned and leapt into the pool himself, vanishing into its depths for several minutes. The leaders began to murmur and whisper between themselves. The boy was mad. He could not possibly survive. Why would he throw away his life like that? What about his mother? But then suddenly, a great earthquake seemed to begin, and the ground shook violently beneath their feet. The pool in front of them turned from black to deep red, and out of the bloody waters stepped the boy, now a full-grown man, taller than the others and handsome. The leaders jumped with joy and welcomed him gladly into their arms. After a few moments, he put up his palms for silence. Now, my people, you will hear and know my name. I am Makoma, the Greater, for I have gone where no man would dare. Everyone cheered, and Makoma's mother tearfully watched her son with pride and joy. Makoma came to his mother and took her small hands gently in his own. I will go on a journey now, mother, and I will become a hero. Do not worry for me any longer. And so, returning home, only to sling his sack over his shoulder and pick up Nuendo, his iron hammer, Makoma left his mother's home and his hometown to become the greatest hero the world had ever seen. Crossing the Zambezi River on foot, Makoma journeyed for many sunrises and many sunsets, until he came to a land full of hills. Soon before him, he saw a giant creating mountains. Makoma looked up at the giant, who was quite a bit taller than him, and shouted up to him. Who are you? he asked. And the giant replied, I am the mountain maker, Chiezwo Mapiri. Who is asking? Makoma replied that he was called Makoma the Greater. Greater than who? asked the giant. Greater than you, Makoma shouted back, causing the giant to roar in anger and rush towards him. Makoma remained silent and still as he watched the giant thunder towards him. But just before Chiezwa Mapiri grabbed him, Makoma swung Nuendu, his hammer, and struck the giant on the head. His blow was so strong that Chiezwa Mapiri clutched his head in pain and began rapidly shrinking until he was a small man. Falling upon his knees, he begged Makoma to take him as his servant, and admitted that Makoma was indeed greater than he was. 
So Makoma picked Chiezwa Mapiri up and placed him carefully into his sack. He felt the powers of the giant causing through him, for after their battle, he had absorbed the giant's abilities and now held the power to create mountains within his hands. Flinging his sack upon his back as if it weighed as much as the air around him, he continued on his journey. Soon the land was broken up into large stones and mounds of earth, and peeking over one of these heaps, Makoma saw another giant, covered in dirt. The giant was picking up handfuls of earth and flinging it away from him. So Makoma stood up and called to the giant, Who are you and why are you digging in the earth? The giant replied, I am making riverbeds. My name is Chi Dubala Taka. Makoma thought for a brief moment before shouting back up to the giant. Well, do you know who I am? I am Makoma the Greater. Greater than who? The giant rumbled in annoyance. Greater than you, answered Makoma, allowing himself a small grin. Chidubala Taka cursed loudly and charged at Makoma, throwing handfuls of dirt at him. Makoma quickly moved his sack in front of him, and the earth and stones bounced off it as if they were small ants. Then he gripped Nuendo and charged at the giant. Leaping into the air, he brought his hammer down on the giant, knocking him to the ground. As soon as Nuendo touched the giant, Chidubala Taka began to shrink, until he was small enough for Makoma to pick up and place in his sack, alongside Chiezwa Mapiri. Makoma felt Chidubala Taka's power course through him, and he knew that he obtained the ability to create rivers. Soon Makoma continued on his journey, and came to a forest full of baobabs and thorn trees. They towered over him, and he gaped in shock at their size. Soon he realized that one of the trees was actually a giant, larger and taller than the previous two he had fought. But Makoma was not afraid, and once more called out, You, tall and big one up there in the sky, who are you? Giant looked down at him and replied, I am Chi Guiza Miti, and I am planting these baobabs and thorn trees so that my children, the elephants, may eat. Makoma smiled and called back up to the giant. Pause your work and duel with me, mighty Chigoiza Miti. The giant was initially confused, but soon grabbed the biggest baobab he could find and flung it at Makoma. But the boy hero leapt aside, twisted midair as the tree fell harmlessly to the ground and flung Nuendo at the giant. The iron hammer hurtled through the air and struck Chigoiza Miti square on the forehead. Instantly, the giant began to shrink, until he was much shorter than Makoma. He bowed deeply to the hero. Take me as your servant, for you are truly a worthy hero. And so, as before, Makoma placed the giant into his sack, along with Chiezwa Mapiri and Chidubala Taka, and felt the powers of the giants course through him. So for many more days and many more nights, Makoma journeyed until the land around him began to change. The rich green earth turned into burnt grass, and soon a barren and desolate landscape faced him. Makoma frowned, confused at the change. But soon he spotted a man happily eating fire. Makoma grew angry at the man for being so happy among such great destruction, and demanded to know who he was. I am Chia Diamoto, a flame spirit. I may destroy what I like, the man answered with a grin. Makoma pointed Nuendo at him. I am Makoma, greater than you, and you cannot destroy me. The flame spread laughed, and threw a flaming ball at Makoma. But at the last minute, Makoma left behind a rock, and the place where he had been standing only seconds before turned into molten glass. While the spirit stood in shock at Makoma's speedy escape, 
the hero flung his hammer at the spirit and knocked him to the ground. The hammer took away Chia Diomoto's power, and instead Makomo received them. Picking the spirit up, Makomo tossed him into the sack. Hey! So finally, Makomo was a truly great warrior. He had the strength to pull mountains from the earth, the stamina to lead rivers from the seas, the wisdom to plant trees, and the power to produce fire at his wall. Makomo found a well-watered plain, full of animals with a river and grass room to sit on. He happily sat and made a fire before placing the sack on the ground and letting all the giants and the fire spread out. He told them that he was happy to settle here, and that he would need their help to create a home. So the next day, Makomo left Chiezwa Mapiri to look after the clearing, with orders to make lunch, and went off with the others to find wood to begin building his house. When they returned, however, they found the giant tied to the tree by one gigantic hair. When Makomo asked the giant what had happened, Chiezwa Mapiri unhappily explained that a man, larger than he had ever seen, with such a long moustache that he could not see the end of it, came and asked him what he was doing here. After he explained, the giant tied him up. Makomo was not happy, but cut the giant loose, and hoped that it would not happen again. But it did. For the next three days, the same thing happened, no matter who Makomo left to guard the area. So on the fourth day, Makomo decided to stay behind and see this man with the infinite moustache himself. The morning was quiet and Makoma swept around his house, tended to the fire, and roasted some venison for lunch. Then the earth shook beneath him. Looking towards the river, an enormous man climbed out. His grey moustache extended far down on either side of the river. With a voice so strong, the very air shook. The man asked Makoma who he was. I am Makoma the Greater. Who are you? I am Chindabu Maugiri, the gigantic giant replied. I live in the river and my moustache forms the mist above it. Anyone who comes here will die by my hand. Makoma shouted in rage and rushed at the giant, twirling Nuendo in his hand. He struck the giant with his hammer, but it simply slid off the giant's slimy body. Makoma bounced back with the impact and tripped over one of Chindabu Maugiri's long grey hairs. Instantly, the giant's hairs curled around his body and began wrapping him up in a cocoon, making Makoma begin to panic. But suddenly, he remembered the powers of the fire spirit and taking a deep breath, blew fire at the hair until they fell off him. Then he took his sack and threw it over Chindabu Maugiri's head before hitting him again with his hammer. This time, Nuendo struck firm against the material of the sack and instantly killed the giant, causing him to tumble to the ground with an almighty crash. So when the others returned with wood for Makoma's house, they rejoiced to see him sitting happily on the grass, eating venison, and they praised him and celebrated throughout the night. But when they woke in the morning, they found Makoma grimly starting the fire, his brow set deep in thought. Turning towards the giants and the fire spirit, Makoma explained that in the night the spirits of his ancestors, clothed in white, visited him and instructed him to find Sakatarina, who has five heads, and is mighty and powerful. Until he found him, Makoma could never rest. Even more terrible was the instruction from his ancestors to leave the giants and spirit behind, people whom he now considered to be his friends. His friends weeped and begged Makoma not to go, but the hero comforted them while giving them back their powers and leaving.
The Makoma went west over jagged mountains, deep bog, and dry deserts, most of which should have killed him if he had been an ordinary man. But Makoma survived and eventually came to a hut nestled in the mountains. In the hut he found two beautiful women. Kind woman, Makoma asked, is this the land of Sakatarina, who has five heads? The woman greeted him back and told him that he had indeed arrived in Sakatarina's land and that the giant himself was just behind the hut. Going outside, Makoma suddenly realized that the mountain peaks were actually Sakatarina's legs and that the rest of his body was hidden by the clouds, for that is how large and tall Sakatarina was. Makoma shook off his shock and brought his hammer heavily down on the giant's leg, but nothing happened. Makoma struck again and again, until finally, a voice as deep as an earthquake asked who was poking his feet down there. Makoma shouted as loudly as he could, It is I, Makoma, the greater. I have come on the bidding of my ancestors who have instructed me to duel you. The great giant was silent for a few moments, and then with a heavy sigh, he spoke. I am glad that you have come, Makoma. For too long have I stood here untested. No man has ever been greater than me, and I am alone. It will be good for me to fight you. Prepare yourself. And bellowing those last words, Sakatarina suddenly bent down, grabbed Makoma, and flung him to the ground. Makoma should have died, his body broken instantly by the impact. But instead, the hero sprang up, new strength and energy causing through him. Makoma grabbed Sakatarina around the waist and threw him to the ground with an almighty crash. They wrestled and fought hour after hour after hour. The mountains were crushed underneath their feet until the high peaks became flat earth and the mountains became pebbles rolling about the earth like water. Makoma broke away and, winding up Nuendo in his hand, struck Sakatarina in the side. Sakatarina staggered back and then, grabbing one of the mountains around them, pulled it from the earth and flung it at Makoma flinging him off his feet. Yet neither man would stay down. Their fight lasted through the night and into the following morning, and soon they found themselves locked together in a shoulder grapple, both tiring but neither backing down. They stayed in this grapple for hours and hours until at last, as the sun began to set, they fell apart onto the floor, exhausted and amazed at the other's strength. They stared at each other in shock for many minutes before their eyes drifted shut and they both fell asleep where they had fallen. The next morning, Makoma and Sakatarina woke to find Mulimo, the great spirit, standing over them. He smiled at them, and casting a large hand over their heads, announced in a quiet yet powerful voice, Makoma and Sakatarina, you are both heroes with such great power that no man could ever beat you. Come with me to the clouds above and make your homes in the stars. And so vanishing from the sight of all humans, both heroes left Earth and ascended into the clouds, where they live evermore in our stars. What an adventure! What a lovely tale! There are so many interesting themes in the story. Makoma is a child with almost godly powers who springs out of his mother's womb already tall and strong. This kind of figure is actually found in a few tales in African mythology. For example, another tale which I've told before, the tale of Kodumodumo, the goblin monster. 
There as well, a woman gives birth to a baby boy who instantly becomes a fully grown man and even holds his father's spear. He then goes on to defeat the monster and rescues his village. Then there are the three giants uh, and a fire spirit, which honestly reminded me of some video or computer games I've played where the hero defeats certain enemies and it absorbs their powers. I thought it was kind of sweet though that they all became friends. And then there was the fight between Makoma and Chindabu Malgiri. I found it really interesting that this was the only giant Makoma actually killed. I wonder why this is the case, since he simply collected, in a way, the other giants. The fight between Makoma and Sakaturina gave me some serious David and Goliath vibes. Throwback to the frickin' Goliath bird eater. Only here, neither one, and I quite like how peacefully it ended with both heroes ascending into the stars. I suppose the overall theme was that Makoma, who started off as an extremely unusual boy, went on a great journey to find out who he was, and he found out that he belonged in the stars. What's also really interesting is that Makoma pops up in the comic book world as well, specifically in the Hellboy universe. The comic is titled Hellboy Makoma and involves a mummy, the wrapped up embalmed kind, who tells Hellboy about an African king called Makoma. It is then shown through the book that Hellboy's life parallels that of Makoma. The story of Makoma told in Hellboy is actually quite different to the one which I have just told, but it seems pretty fun as well. I mean, I see there's a dragon, and who doesn't love dragons? Speaking of comic book elements, Makoma's hammer Nuendo really reminded me of Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Minus the whole lightning thing, of course. And even kind of parallels Thor's journey to become a god again in the Marvel movies, where he has to fight a creature stronger than him to prove that he is worthy. But anyway, analysis over. The story itself is really nice to read out, and I hope you enjoyed it. My main sources for the story were Mythology and Folklore UN textbook and Wikipedia. Today's promo is from the wonderful Midwest Meltdown. Have a listen. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Zach. It's Josh. Zach, do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous schemes? Uh, yeah. Do you think others would enjoy that? I mean, I really hope so. So do I. So I think you all should come spend some time with us, the Midwest Meltdown. This show was created by... These two fine gentlemen here, myself and Zach, when we spent the last 14 years telling each other funny stories, talking about video games, and literally anything else that comes to mind. We wanted to turn our passion for gaming into something that we could share with everyone. So again, follow us, The Midwest Meltdown, anywhere you can find your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Google Pods. Check us out. We'd be happy to have you. This week's podcast recommendation is the Pretty Nice Podcast. It's a podcast hosted by two best friends who have some seriously hilarious stories to tell each other. I discovered them back in May, and they will always make you laugh. From outrageous wedding stories and zodiac signs, to critiquing their old Facebook photos and family traditions, Andrew and Mariah will keep you in stitches throughout each episode. Find Pretty Nice Podcast on Instagram at Pretty Nice Podcast, and on Twitter at Pretty Nice Pod. Pretty Nice Podcast can be found on all popular podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And so we have arrived at the end of our episode. I have been your host, Bashira, the disembodied voice you can't escape. And Legendary Africa is produced by the infamous Hestia the Dog, and we have an unpaid intern, as you know, Athena the Doggo. Thank you for listening and joining me today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
Remember to subscribe to Legendary Africa wherever you listen. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, we're on Stitcher as well. And to share with your friends, family, assorted pets, or any of your local flora and fauna as well. Speaking of the local flora and fauna, I had a really strange dream last night about a flying slug. Don't ask me why. I cannot fathom the way my mind works. And who knows? Maybe flying slugs enjoy podcasts too, so do share with everyone and everything around you. Also, if you like what you hear and want to share that love, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or anywhere else you can leave comments. We also have a YouTube channel where I publish each episode very irregularly, and we have a website which I mostly regularly update, so go check that out. And as always, feel free to add to the tribute page for Charlie by emailing me your message. All links can be found in the episode description below. Now with Halloween coming up, I'm thinking about doing a Halloween special, and would love to feature your stories. Has something spooky happened to you? Perhaps you've encountered a ghost, spirit, or had some kind of other supernatural experience. Noises you can't explain? Chills which refuse to go away? Visited a haunted place or encountered something odd in a graveyard? I want to know, and I want to talk about it. So send them in by either popping me a message in my DMs on Twitter or Instagram, or send me an email. You can find the pod on Instagram at legendarypod, and on Twitter at legendarypod1. And email those Halloween stories to staylegendarypod at gmail.com. I also welcome all myth ideas, prompts, favorite recipes, and pictures of your doggos. I'll see you next Saturday with an all-new ancient myth, legend, or tale from a beautiful continent of Africa. Until then, tell your loved ones you love them, thank the angel on your shoulder, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Bye!